0: Good morning, Hope Church. Good morning. Man, how are you guys doing today? Great. great, great. So glad to hear that. Christ is risen. Is risen amen. amen. And amen. Thank you for coming. Have a lovely day. You guys think I should keep going? A little bit? Okay, it's Easter Sunday. We have some time, right? But I know that many of you would maybe have been thrilled, right, if we'd have ended it right there, sing some great songs. He's risen. You know, look, I got a lot going on today. I got a turkey in the oven. I got people coming over. I got to make it to grandma's house and we're going to be late. Get a head start on brunch. But really the question becomes is there is there really anything that I can add to he is risen that would make it more powerful that would make it more meaningful kind of really no But look I do believe that God has a great word for us today So we're going to we're going to push on Let's take a moment to pray Father, we come to you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this incredible Easter morning. And uh, Father, as we look to this story that is probably so familiar to us, we just pray that you would that you would give us a fresh outlook, that you would give us fresh eyes, that you would pour your Spirit out on us anew, that we might experience it in a new and in a different way. Father, we just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. Father, we ask this in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Now, it was a number of years ago that my wife Nancy and I, she's going, "Uh uh-oh. We decided we would treat our three daughters. Now, at the time, our oldest was probably only about four or five, and then we have twins that are just 18 months younger. Yeah, I'll let that marinate for a moment. And no, there was no planning involved in that. That just happened. But regardless, we decided we were going to take them to that incredible childhood mecca, Chuck E cheese. You guys ever been to this place? Does it still even exist? Does it? Yeah? Okay. Thank goodness I haven't been there, but if you've been there or any place like it, you know that it can be a madhouse, right? You got kids of every age running in every possible direction, pretty much chaos, And as hard as I tried to keep my eye on all three of my children, one of them escaped my purview. I looked around, I saw the twins, but Samantha, nowhere to be found. I looked in the last place I had seen her, but she wasn't there. Now, being a good parent, I became somewhat concerned I approached my wife and I said, dear, have you seen Samantha? And she said, well, yeah, she was just over. Oh, she's not there anymore. Hmm. So we began to search. And we looked really honestly everywhere. We looked in the bathrooms. We looked behind stuff. No Samantha. Now concern begins to morph into fear. I'm starting to freak out. And I go to the, the front door, the exit, and I turn around and I scan the crowd, and I don't see her anywhere. Okay, now I'm starting to panic. I mean, seriously panic. And I go out in the parking lot. I, I, I don't know exactly what I was expecting to find out there, but again, no Samantha. And I come back in, and I go back to the place that I had last seen her, and I expected her to be there. She wasn't there. You ever find yourself in a situation like that? Eh, maybe not a Chuck E. Cheese, maybe. But you're looking for someone, you're looking for something maybe, and you look in the last place that you saw them, the place where you expect them to be, and they're not there. Well, friends, that's exactly what happened that first Easter morning just over 2,000 years ago. Mary came to the tomb expecting to find the dead Jesus. She expected to find him in the tomb, but that isn't at all what she found. And as we examine this very, very familiar Easter story again this morning, We'll see Jesus ask a question. Actually, he asked two questions right in a row. Even after Jesus was resurrected, he was still asking questions. And it's a question that we have to ask today as well. A question that we have to answer. The question that Jesus asked Mary, and the question he's asking us, is whom... Are you seeking? So we're going to look at John's account of the resurrection, ironically enough, found in the Gospel of John, John chapter 20. If you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, that's where we're going to be this morning. Now, if you were with us on Good Friday, and even if you weren't, you may recall the story of Jesus' crucifixion and his death. And for those who claim the uh, swoon theory, you've heard of this before, that Jesus, he didn't really die on the cross. You know, he, he just passed out, and then he, like, came to in the tomb. Uh, that's nonsense. Verse 33 of chapter 19 tells us that the soldiers came to Jesus and saw that he was dead. And these Roman soldiers, they would have known. I mean, this was their job. These guys were professional torturers and killers. This is what they did. They knew when someone was dead. They knew that Jesus was dead. But, you know, just for good measure, one of them pierced the side with a sword. Or spear, I guess it was. And out came blood and water. Water. Which is basically pericardial fluid, which means that Jesus suffered a pericardial effusion on the cross, something that he absolutely could not have survived. Empirical evidence that Jesus was dead. And then at the end of chapter 19, we see Joseph of Arimathea. He comes and he claims Jesus' body. He gets permission to take Jesus' body, and he and Nicodemus, they very quickly, quickly prepare the body, for burial. They prepare as best they can because they're running out of time. The Sabbath is coming and there's no work that's allowed to be done on the Sabbath. So they do the best job that they can and they lay him in this new tomb in the middle of an elaborate garden. Remember, this is a rich man's tomb. And then at the beginning of chapter 20, we see that now the Sabbath is over. It's very early in the morning, and Mary heads back to the tomb to finish preparing Jesus' body. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they didn't quite finish the job. Mary was there to finish it. She gets to the tomb. She sees this big stone that had been rolled in front of the grave. She sees it rolled away. So she runs. She runs. She tells Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we've heard that phrase before, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved. And who is that? That's John, right? The writer of this gospel. So she tells them, she says at the end of verse 2 of chapter 20, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. See, Mary went there with some other ladies expecting to find Jesus dead in the tomb. So she tells Peter and John in verses 3 and 4, this is kind of humorous, it says, so Peter went out with the other disciple, who is John, right? And they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, you got to find the humor in this, right? Because John John is humble enough to not name himself, but he's proud enough to say, yeah, I got there first. (laughs) Yep. And it's actually pretty well accepted that Peter was maybe about 10 years older than John. So, you know, John's like, yeah, beat the old man. I got here first. So John gets there first, and he looks in, but he doesn't go in. But he looks and he sees the grave clothes still sitting where they had laid over Jesus' body. Well, Peter arrives, and whatever stopped John from going in, it doesn't stop Peter, right? I mean, Peter is the impulsive, impetuous one. So he blasts right into the grave, and he also sees The grave clothes, still sitting just the way they were. It's as if Jesus' body had just evaporated right out from underneath him. And then John, he says, all right, if it's safe, I guess I'm going to go in there. He follows Peter into the tomb, and Scripture tells us that he saw and believed. He saw and believed. John was the first to believe the fact of the resurrection. And it wasn't because he saw the resurrected Jesus. No, it was because he saw the empty tomb. He was convinced of the truth, the fact of the resurrection. And friends, the resurrection is a fact, whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe it or not, the fact is Jesus rose from the dead on that third day. John saw the grave close, and he was convinced. But you know, Scripture also tells us that they didn't really quite understand the meaning of the resurrection. Verse 9 says, For as yet they did not understand the Scripture. So their eyes had not been opened by the Holy Spirit to the truth of the meaning of the They understood the fact of the resurrection. They weren't quite clear on the meaning as yet. And then after seeing this, this is kind of humorous too, it says in verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. I mean, I find that kind of like, what? What do you mean? But I guess they were they were going back to their homes, presumably to share the good news of the resurrection with others, in particular Jesus' mother, because Jesus' mother had moved in with John, right? After the crucifixion, according to chapter 19, verse 27, she stayed with John after that. So they left. They went back home. But I, it's I, I sw- for me, it's kind of Difficult to, to square this. They left Mary standing there. They said, All right, Mary, see you later. They just left her. But maybe that's how guys are, right? <laughs> guys are sort of insensitive that way. But they leave. They leave Mary sitting there, and in verse 11 it says, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. So we know that John saw and believed. Mary didn't have that same confidence yet. She was weeping. She was sobbing uncontrollably. But she wanted to see what Peter and John saw. So she looked in. But this time something was a little bit different. Verse 12 says that she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, I find it really interesting that Mary doesn't seem to be phased at all by the sight of these angels. You know, when we see instances of angels appearing to others in the Scripture, what's their reaction? They're afraid, right? There's angels. And what's the first thing that the angels say to them? Do not be afraid, afraid, right? But see, the angels, they don't say that. They don't say that here. Because Mary is so consumed with the fact that her Lord is not there that the sight of angels just doesn't seem to bother her in any way. Verse 14 says, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Now, chances are she heard some stirring or some noise behind her, and she turned around to look, but, you know, many commentators believe that the angels had actually motioned to Mary to turn around. You know, she said that, I don't know where they've taken my Lord. And they're kind of like, hmm, turn around. So Mary turns around, but she didn't know who this was, she didn't recognize this man standing there as her Lord and Savior. And she probably didn't recognize Him because He more than likely looked different from the last time she saw Him. When was the last time she saw Him? Crucifixion, right? On the cross. And we know that, that, he, that Jesus had been, had been beaten and, and, and bloodied and, and disfigured probably beyond recognition. And remember... She did not expect to find him there alive. She came there expecting dead Jesus. And then in verse 15, we see Jesus ask these back-to-back questions here. He says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away... Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now, I I have no idea what Mary looked like. I mean, maybe she was a large woman. Maybe she was an Amazon. Maybe she was like those WWF or whatever wrestlers. And she could have carried Jesus' body away. Chances are she wasn't. And she was so consumed with what had happened, that she wasn't thinking about how she was going to carry the body away. And then in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. See, Jesus only needed to speak her name And immediately, she knows that it's Jesus. It's reminiscent of Jesus' teaching from John chapter 9, where he says the sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice. Mary recognized the voice of the one she came looking for, her teacher, her Lord. And can you imagine the scene? I want you to try and picture it. In your mind, Mary now is so overjoyed and and just filled with emotion, filled with joy. And she's she's probably, you know, like latching on to Jesus' arm or onto his leg or, or maybe giving him the biggest bear hug you could possibly imagine. Not wanting to ever let go. And really, friends, this tells us something very important something that adds to the fact of the resurrection. See, Jesus' body was real. His body was real. This was not a a spirit. It was not a ghost. It was not a figment of her imagination. He didn't appear because she wanted him to appear so badly. No, this was a real human body. It was Jesus, but it was a body. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, I want us to, to, to read this and really try to understand it with kind of fresh eyes. See, there's, there's, there's some, some issues, I think, with like the older King James Version, the King James Version says, Touch me not. And I really don't believe that Jesus always talked like that. And it can be confusing. Because there are some who say, well, he didn't want Mary to touch him, because he would be defiled then when he ascended to the to the Father. But that's not true. That's not true. Later in the same chapter, Jesus says to Thomas. Put your finger here. Touch me. Place your hand inside my side. Jesus didn't forbid touching. And actually the original Greek helps us to better understand the present imperative combined with a negative really says stop doing something rather than don't do something. So again, Mary's Mary's got to have a bear hug on him. She's got to have you know, her claws into him, her grip on him. And and I can see Jesus, you, you got to picture it a little bit differently because Jesus is probably laughing. He's probably going, whoa, whoa, Mary, Mary, hang on, hang on. I need you to do something for me. I need you to go and tell the others. And quite honestly, friends, this is a little bit curious as well because back then, women weren't considered reliable witnesses. Matter of fact, in a court of law, a woman was not allowed to testify. Now there's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm going to leave it be. But see, it's curious that Jesus chooses Mary as the first witness to the resurrection. Mary is the first witness witness to the resurrection. And honestly, this is further confirmation of the fact of the resurrection. Because if the disciples, if they were just like making this up, if this really didn't happen, would they choose Mary as the first witness? No. they depict Peter, John. They could testify. Mary could not. But that's who Jesus chooses. And he says, "Go and tell my brothers. My brothers. Now, you gotta remember that these are the same guys who had just abandoned Jesus when he needed them most. What did they do? They turned tail and ran." They denied even knowing him three times, right, Peter? But Jesus calls them brothers. And this is the first time that Jesus has referred to the disciples as brothers. In other places, he's called them disciples. He's called them followers. He's called them servants. He's even called them friends. But now, after the resurrection, he calls them brothers. Jesus has adopted them into the family of God. Despite their betrayal. And I think it's really kind of interesting that when he says, my brothers, Mary knows exactly who he's talking about. Because in verse 18 it says that Mary went, announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he has said these things to her. Friends, Christ is risen. risen Christ is risen. risen Well, that's the story. And if we ended there, right? And we said, amen, sing one more song. You know, we all leave here with this warm, fuzzy feeling. We head home for Easter dinner with the family or whatever you have planned. But I can't just leave it there. I can't just leave it there. I have to ask, what brought you here today? And don't say a car. (laughs) That sounds like something I would say. And I'm going to assume that everybody has a good reason for being here today. Maybe you're here today because, hey, it's Easter, That's what we do, right? It's Easter, we go to church. Or maybe you're thinking, uh, you know, if I don't go to church, grandma's going to reach out from the grave and, you know, whack me with her cane or something, or uh, my mom won't let me eat if I don't come to church. There's plenty of reasons for being here today. But I wonder if there isn't something deeper. So I'll ask you the same question that Jesus asked Mary. Whom are you seeking? And you may say, I didn't come here looking for anyone. Maybe not. But see friends, this is a bookend This question is a bookend to one of the very first questions that Jesus asked his disciples all the way back in John chapter 1. Back in John chapter 1, he didn't say, whom are you seeking? He said, what are you seeking? And friends, if we're all honest with ourselves, we will admit that we are all searching for something. We're all searchers. I know it. I see it in me. We search for identity, for meaning, for love, for relationship, for peace, for truth, for justice, for purpose. Unfortunately, we seek to satisfy the what with the things of this world. We try to fill the void with money, with drugs, alcohol, power, status, sex, pleasure. When the truth is this, friends, the truth is this. The what can only be filled by the who. The what can only be filled by the who. Our what can only be satisfied by the person and work Of Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection. Believe me friends. I know. I know. Because I tried all those other things. I tried all those other things. And they don't do it. It's only the who. The resurrected Jesus. That will fill the what. The deepest need of your heart. So I don't know what you came here today expecting. You know, maybe to hear the same old story, you know, blah, 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 blah. stone rolled away. Yeah, let's go eat. But friends, it is my prayer that you've come face to face with the resurrected Jesus because He is alive. And yes, He is here today. And He's facing you. Just like he faced Mary. And he's calling your name. I pray, friends, that there would be no mistake, that we would recognize him for who he is. The resurrected Jesus, the Son of God, died and raised to life for you. He wants to give you identity, meaning, love, peace, relationship. He wants to adopt you into the family of God. Today, And for all eternity. Won't you let him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and praise you. And we thank you, Lord, for this incredible Easter morning, for the fact of the resurrection. And Lord, you're facing each and every one of us this morning. And you're calling our names. May we, like Mary, recognize you for who you are, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.